BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This is the Straight Up Breakdown podcast. Exclusively on the Herd App Media Network. Tell it to me straight up. Hello and welcome into the Straight Up Breakdown podcast, proudly part of the Hale Varsity Network. I am Greg Smith. You are freshly recharged after the weekend and ready to attack the week, friend. Uh, Today, I am joined by the director of Name, Image, and Likeness Education for Open Doors and Husker Softball alum, Bree Cassidy. Bree, thank you for being on the show. How are you? I'm doing well. Appreciate you having me. Yeah, no problem. I'm glad I was able to catch up to you. It's a it's a busy time, and it's funny. It's a busy time for you. You actually have a lot going on. I feel like I have a lot going on, but don't I should not because it's technically the off season for football. But as far as recruiting goes, things are just now starting to really ramp up. They had a big visit weekend, um, and then the rest of like the next probably four or five weeks are going to be extremely busy for me. Um, so we're we're getting there. I'm coming out of the off season, so thankfully, you know, I had a good weekend. I was able to relax did you did you have a good weekend were you able to even relax before the craziness started uh no i'm starting to hit the road now i was actually in denver for a friend's wedding this weekend got back yesterday did some laundry uh (laughs) got repacked everything back up and then hit the road this morning driving from kansas city to nebraska for our company's hq week so right back into it right back into it so are you a are you are you like me and you pack like the day that you're leaving or are did you had you kind of like started to sit stuff to the side and you were like okay I know this is coming I'm gonna kind of get ready I knew what sort of things I was gonna need for this week like we're going golfing and doing some other things so Mm -hmm. I knew what stuff uh I needed to have ready to go that I necessarily have it all folded out and ready to go before (laughs) the Denver trip I didn't, admittedly. <laughs> Typically, okay. I like to pack things ahead of time. Uh, but this time, you know, was just had to work on the fly. Hey, it's like that sometimes. <laughs> now, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about uh, before we get into the meat of the show is now your final season with Nebraska softball was in 2019, correct? Yep. Okay, so everything is kind of fresh in your mind. I guess first, what did you think about kind of their season to this year that they were able to put together? It was pretty amazing. I I talked to the coaches probably at least every week, if not every other week, and got to watch them a few times. They played down uh, in Lawrence when I was working at KU, so I actually got to watch them play mm-hmm. in per- watch them play in person. Flew out to San Diego for a vacation there, and they were playing University of San Diego against MJ Knighton's team. MJ is my college best friend, so to watch her be able to play against Nebraska was a pretty full circle moment, and then to just watch them like go on this crazy win streak it was pretty much after that weekend uh it was it's amazing that they watching them lose this past weekend like my heart literally broke because I was so so excited for them and just being able to watch them celebrate after that big 10 championship uh and then just to see look on those those fifth year seniors faces I know the work that they put in and they 100% deserve it I'm I'm just really thankful that they had the season that they did and I'm excited about what this younger group is going to do. 
Yeah, it was an amazing year with in one of those situations where you're hopeful for the future and how bright that could be as well, which is always fun. It's always fun where you, even though it's tough, like you said, for those those fifth year seniors, those veteran players, like you still have the feeling that, OK, they're still on the upper trajectory um, as a program. So that'll end up working out. And one of the things that I always like to talk to when I have former athletes on the show is just kind of an open ended version of like what type of impact do you think that Husker softball made uh, um, in shaping your life? Oh, it's everything. I, I always tell people when I went on my visit, I was a sophomore in high school, of course, mm -hmm. before the recruiting rules changed. Mm -hmm. And I went in first week of February. If anybody knows anything about Nebraska in the first week of February, <laughs> it's probably ridiculously cold. It was negative three degrees, full blown blizzard being a kid from Southern California. I had no idea what I was getting myself <laughs> into. Got on a taxi, rode in from Lincoln Airport straight to Bowling Stadium. Uh, wearing this really lame, what I thought was a coat back then. Uh, that's a coat <laughs> in the version of California. And I tell people that because it's like, I could have went anywhere else that had this beautiful weather, all of the other things. But the fact that by the end of my visit, I was calling home to my parents and saying, I'm coming here. And they were like, get your butt home first before you decide <laughs> to make any decisions and give them an answer. But as soon as I got home, I just filled them in on everything. And things that they had already known about the coaches up to that point, because they were one of the only staffs that I was getting recruited by that asked about my family. They understood the dynamics. They knew what it meant for me to be a first generation. They knew about my younger brother. They knew what my education pursuits wanted to be, the things I was passionate about that had absolutely nothing to do with softball. And I knew that if I was going to go 1,200 miles away from home, that I was going to need to be around people that cared about me and we're going to take right. care of me like family. And that's exactly what they did from the resources Nebraska provides their student athletes to just the care that coach Ravel and her staff takes for their players. Uh, it's second to none. And I wouldn't have changed it anyway. And I always tell people it's something special. I actually had a COVID wedding where my wedding got canceled in 48 hours because it was in March of 2020. Oh, wow. Softball season had just gotten canceled. The first person I called was coach Ravel. I said, hey, coach, uh, we're not going to Hawaii. What are you doing on Monday? And she's like, nothing, because season just got canceled. And <laughs> right. I'm like, well, I need you to be at Pioneers Park in Lincoln, Nebraska at 11, at 11 a.m. on Monday. Will you marry me? And she's like, 100% yes. So she showed up. The whole staff was there. There were maybe only four or five people there, being one of my former teammates, all three coaches, and a couple other good friends of ours. Uh, and that, I just tell people that because it's like in one of the most important moments in my life, they showed up and I was no longer a player. So uh, the impact that they've had on me, it's like I can't even describe it and I'm forever grateful for it. Wow, that's an amazing story. Um, yeah. You have like we could do an entire episode on just that because like one of the, it's one of those things where I always describe kind of like what happened with COVID and all of that being is like it was a giant shared experience for all of us, and yep. it feels like the more and now that we've had I guess a little bit of time from the beginning part of it, like everyone has like a story. Now it may not yep. be that story. <laughs> that one is, is different, um, but everyone has something where it's like, man, I just. I didn't realize I knew that I was going through a lot, but everyone had something that was going on during that time. Yep, no doubt. It it is amazing the things that people have had to go through and just the, all the stories that you hear. Right. Uh, what a time. 
Now, you guys know that we kick things off each week with Coach Speak, but I've got a fantastic opportunity for you to work for a rapidly growing company that enjoys the benefits earned with having a competitive, stable history of over 20 years. Now, that's FCS Edge, which is a leading technology innovator serving governmental agencies. Their team is constantly growing, and they're looking for people to help join their mission. Check out the available jobs now at www.jobsatfsc.com. Um, now every week we get we have a couple of segments of the show um, that are mainstays of the show. The first one is called Coach Speak, and that's where we go over something that a coach, player, or talking head said, and then we give you the straight up breakdown of what they meant. Coach Speak to real talk. Now this one is an offshoot of something that I feel like I've been talking about for a couple of well, not a couple of weeks. It had been a couple of weeks, but like the last whole week, it feels like I've been talking about this story um, because I can't get enough of it for a, a number of reasons. Uh, but this version of it comes from Steve Spurrier, um, who had this to say about the Jimbo Fisher Nick Saban dust up, uh, if you want to call it that. He said, "Quote: I don't think Saban told any lies in there, so I don't know what Fisher was mad about." Spurrier said to Dog Nation, um, "Since Fisher beat him last year, I guess he can talk now. He hasn't beat much of anybody." but he beat Saban last year, but they haven't won the division or anything since he's been there. Did Saban say something that wasn't true? Steve Spurrier, you're the king of shade. So Bree, what does that, what does all of that fun <laughs> stuff mean? Let's break that down. You know, it is so crazy to see the things that people are bringing up because of NIL. It's mm -hmm. like everyone's talking about NIL and then they say like interesting things like, oh, he only beat him once. Or uh, <laughs> I mean, literally the exact quote that you just said. And it, it's so crazy because NIL has become that new thing mm -hmm. and people are using reasons like the quote that was mentioned to talk about it. Whereas before NIL, it was like people were talking about facilities and people were talking mm -hmm. about training tables and coaches getting paid, however much they're getting paid or, you know, whatever perks schools have. Right. And I, I, I truly just think like NIL is an easy excuse for people to try and bash one another, especially uh -huh. on a big level, like Saban and Jimbo. Uh, you know, I, I think until people have a real understanding of how NIL is truly functioning and the rules and what has to go into it, I definitely think we're going to have more conversations like this pop up that we talk about. Uh, but yeah, it's just another one of those things that everyone's going to talk about any sort of competitive edge that they can have over one another. And it's going to be an excuse in the book, right? Uh. Yeah. And it's such a, it's a weird one too, right? Because it's not like, you know, like you mentioned facilities, right? So take yep. that example. Facilities is something that like not, while every school does not have access to the same amount of money to build the same amount, the same type of facilities, the like parameters are kind of known, right? It's basically, you can only do but so much, um, it, no matter how much money you have, and you're only going to spend but so much, right? And so there's kind of guardrails in there because they just, there just have to be based on how much money you have yep. when it comes to what's happening i guess with like these particular schools when it comes to nil I, I feel like the reason why so much conversation is generated or part of the reason why is because it's so difficult to know what can and can't be done and what school should be doing in the situation and kind of how where we started and this is definitely something we're going to get into where nil actually started and what it was originally intended for and what these guys are talking about are two totally different things like they're not the same like i feel like we need another term because i feel like you say nil gets brought up to you know have different conversations i think it gets brought up to just bash nil in general yep. um, when it wasn't supposed to be that right a hundred percent 
I think it's been, it's so funny to me because people think like, because NIL has become legal, that the rules have changed for boosters and donors, those same people that help build the facilities that we used to talk about in a facilities arm race. But the thing that people don't understand is even when you're thinking about collectives is that the rules haven't changed from NCAA standpoint is that boosters still cannot have contact with prospective athletes. And people think that, just because NIL is a thing that they're allowed to, when in reality, it's not. The same people that were breaking the rules pre-NIL are the same people that are breaking the rules now. And that's what people need to focus on. It's like, those are the same issues that we were dealing with over a year ago before July 1 hit. But now people are just using NIL as an excuse to frame it as a bad thing. Uh, because some of these people who aren't afraid to go out and do some things, they're publicizing it and using it as NIL. And then as someone who's in an education role, uh, that bothers me a little bit because it takes away from like the real true value of what NIL is meant to do. Yeah, the one of the things that, that has caught me off guard is like how public this has become. I guess I, I was I would have if you had asked me, you know, back when it first went in, like, hey, would people be talking about, I don't know, like the potential of the I think it's the Tennessee quarterback that like the rumors that he has like an eight million dollar deal in place or like even not even ones that are that big, but just like hearing about various deals, um, even I guess at, at Alabama, the Bryce Young deal that was very early early on in this whole thing that I think was for half a million dollars, like all of that stuff that has just become really public. And I just didn't see it going that way because I would think for a number of reasons, you would not want that information out there, whether or not you're the school, because you don't want the NCAA to come around looking, which is going to start happening. Eventually you would think you, if you're a player, I don't want, you know, one of my teammates to necessarily know about all of this. And I'm not exactly going to be like broadcasting that. Um, And so it's just interesting to me how that became so public so quickly. Yeah, it, it, it honestly baffles me as well, quite honestly. Like, I think back if I was a student athlete and I chose to take advantage of the market that Nebraska has, you know, not having any professional teams around and mm-hmm. just the investment that Husker fans have in the student athletes, I would like to think that I would have gotten myself into the mix pretty well um, and just being proactive. And I don't know that I would have been out posting like, hey, I just landed $5,000 from said booster because I'm a Nebraska softball player. Like that feels a little weird to me, but I truly think it's majority of the stuff. Like for example, that comes to our platform, the only people that are involved and notified are us because it gets disclosed through us. And then the school gets notified. And then in return, the NCAA gets access to those disclosures as well. Mm-hmm. So it's like, if this stuff has hit in the media, some student athletes or whether it's their agents for those who have agents that are doing some of these bigger deals they're going out and having conversations with people that want to know this information i don't know that it's necessarily because the student athletes want it to be out there i think as as long as the professional welder shana ford used vr training developed by forge fx to hone her skills as a welder the more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, You're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? 
maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. The right person has the information. They're going to do anything uh, to draw a big headline like a Tennessee quarterback landing a $8 million deal, for example. Right. Right. And I think that, and, and you mentioned before, kind of, you know, to, to take a step back, like the way that, like it, us getting away from what the original intention was. So like, if you could explain from your point of view, someone who works in education around this subject, like what is the actual, what was or is the actual intention of name, image and likeness? When people think of NIL, they think of all the stuff that's in the media right now. But I'll tell you that 98 to 99% of what's going on isn't what's in the media it's Mm -hmm. the fact that student athletes now have the same rights that anyone else on campus up to this point and they have that same privilege of being able to utilize their name image and likeness to go out and make some extra money whereas before you can have a regular student on a campus who was pretty savvy on youtube and or we think of like this is stereotypical, but a football player that loves video games, they want to stream on Twitch to draw some viewers and make some money. A regular student could have done, uh, was, is allowed to do that. Whereas before student athletes weren't allowed to do it. And you, you've seen cases before where student athletes, you know, lost their eligibility because they went viral on YouTube or something else. And the NCAA was able to draw a line to the fact that they had the identity as a student athlete to pull in the revenue that they got. So now it's like now student athletes really just have the same rights that anyone else does. They can go out and host the camp, do lessons and put their face uh, on a flyer. Whereas before, if I ever wanted to do lessons or a camp, I would just have to talk to people one on one and be like, hey, you know, if if you want to do lessons with me, like that's something we can do. Like we can't post about it. We can't I can't create a flyer for you to share with other people because that's something that people always ask is that I couldn't leverage my image as a student athlete or put my name on a flyer somewhere that I can push out to draw some of those things in. So really, I think it just allows student athletes to engage in a a pretty big influencer market on social media. You see lots of people out there, you know, being influencers, you know, make it going viral on TikTok, all of those things. Now student athletes, they can actually make all of those followers that they have because of being a student athlete worth it to them. And if they choose to go out and you know, pursue some NI opportunities. That's a hundred percent something they're allowed to do. Uh, but by no means they're not obligated to it. And I, I truly think it just created some equity for student athletes, uh, to make extra 50 bucks here, get a free meal here without worrying that they're going to lose their eligibility over getting a free meal, uh, from a local restaurant. Right. Like, like the old, like the rule about like, there was a, a snacks rule, right? Where yep. like, uh, <laughs> exactly. uh, this, um, like it was an impermissible benefit to get certain snacks, um, yep. according to the NCAA. So getting rid of all of that stuff, it, it just alone uh, makes it worth it for me. Um, but it's interesting too, because you mentioned about the camps and I'm glad that you kind of the camps and lessons and instruction, because that was something that I didn't realize, like how in demand student athletes were for those types 
types of things because it's something that I've noticed. It feels like, man, almost every sport, it feels like at Nebraska, where I've seen Nebraska athletes doing various camps, whether I've seen, you know, football players coaching like youth football or hosting camps um, at different different places around the state, um, softball players doing different things. And so was that something that, you know, when you were playing, was like, man, I wish I could kind of do this. Like, how, like how prevalent is that um, for people to be able to do these camps or have the opportunity to do that? I think it's a big deal. I mean, there, I tell student athletes all the time when I'm talking with them, there's no one better than them to teach this stuff. They're living it. They're doing it at the highest level. People want them to teach this stuff because their kids, these parents, when they have these young kids, those are the shoes that they're, that they want right. their kids to be in one day. And, and to be able to have that kind of mentorship is frankly a lot different than someone who's 20 or 30 years out or someone who may have just been coaching for a long time but never actually mm-hmm. played this sport. Like when parents are taking these kids to a Husker softball game, for example, those are the ones that they're looking up to. They're the ones that, you know, they're asking for them for autographs after the game. And as a parent, if I'm thinking about return on investment here for a camp or a lesson, my kid is already going to be more bought into the student athlete that they get to see play every week. And those are their, you know, they're looking with them, big, bright, wide eyes, and they want to learn from them. And student athletes, they recognize that they were in those shoes at one point. They know what works for them. And they're able to connect in a way that I think is a lot different for people uh, that aren't necessarily living that. So I know for me, like I was able to, you know, build out an actual business uh, as soon as I finished my playing career and doing lessons and camps. And it was amazing just to think about like, wow, like I can only imagine the reach that I would have had if this is something that I was able to do while I was a student athlete. I was lucky enough to, you know, be connected with some young, some younger people that came to like our, our yearly like preseason banquets that we did with fans or the same kid that always showed up uh, after a game wearing number 44 and that was her number now when she plays. So to be able to do lessons with someone like that who I feel like I can have an impact on student athletes wanted to do that. They've always wanted to do it. So now that they get to take, you know, those relationships to a whole nother level outside of just signing some autographs after a game, I think it's pretty amazing. And, you know, now they get to make a few bucks off of the things that they know, which is pretty cool too. So I, I'm just really glad that they get to, because there's, there's a market for it. People want to buy into it. And I don't think there's anybody better than student athletes to be able to do it. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things too, and that, you know, being able to, and one of the parts of NIL that I'm really fascinated in um, is just that the education piece for the student athletes while they're in school, right? And I, I keep thinking about this. And I was telling one of our coworkers, uh, Steve Mark, about this my this idea the other day, where I really think that at some point we're going to look back, like, I don't know, it won't be that long from now, where a, a student athlete was going through like kind of this NIL era while they were in college and they started a business during this time and then we're able to really hit the ground running and then have it take off after they left college like what do you think is the value of being able to I guess kind of get your feet wet as an entrepreneur um, while they're still kind of within that sandbox of college yeah I'm glad you bring that up because it's it's so crazy to think back even when I was a student athlete that the only experience or things that you got on your resume were like community service events or things that your team went out and did or just like involvements with the athletic department and the local community. But now with NIL, student athletes really have an opportunity to build out those resumes. And that's something that I drive home every time I meet with them. I'm like, hey, listen, if you're not interested in making thousands and thousands of dollars through NIL, 
that's totally fine. But the things that you're going to learn through NIL are going to be things that set you up for 40 years after the, after your time as an athlete. When you learn how to manage your social media and present yourself in a certain way, build out your brand, learn how to communicate with businesses and professionals. When you go into an interview, you've been doing this stuff for four years where student athletes before, you know, they had all the same responsibilities, but they didn't have time to go out and get a job. They couldn't, you know, go out and host a camp or a lesson because they were worried about losing their eligibility. So now I think they're positioned really well that if they start a business during their time, now they're building the business, you know, three or four years rather than waiting till they're 21, 22 years old. And now with COVID, maybe 24 years old, right. uh, finishing their playing careers and then trying to start a business and figure out what in the world do I do with my life now that I'm no longer an athlete? They're able to start some of this personal self-discovery a lot sooner, which I think is really special because I think we're going to see three, four years down the road from now, you're going to see student athletes when they do surveys with NCAA that they were able to find a job faster. They knew what their identity was outside of their sport a lot sooner. There's going to be less of a gap to fill uh, once their careers are over, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with that. And I think that it's it's funny. It's kind of like, I think of this in a little bit of a way, like we talk a lot about kind of these big deals that happen. And, and, a, and a lot of times, like they're, you know, football and basketball deals ahead of a, a guy coming to a campus or the ones that kind of have, are now happening with like star players that are already established on teams. And there's a lot of focus on that. The same way there's a lot of focus on players that end up going pro, but it's going to be one of those things that'll pop up in like an NCAA commercial, right? Cause the same way they're like, Oh, the certain percentage only, you know, never goes pro. And it could be the exact same way, except you're going to have all these situations. I think where all of this good stuff came out of NIL and it was all happening and it was right there under our noses, but we were all focused on, um, well, in fairness, the Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban yep. um, arguments about it, um, which is fun to talk about. But at the same time, I feel like we just should not like, it shouldn't be at the expense of it ignoring what's happening like over here in the pretty in a larger bucket of student athletes right exactly it's so funny I was even having a conversation this past weekend with a good friend of ours I was a college basketball student athlete and she was like hey you know I've been talking with my family about NIL and they're like we think it's so ridiculous because they see you know these Jimbo and Saban conversations mm -hmm. or the things in the media of the big deals and they're like they think that athletes don't have to do anything to get money and that they're just showing up and being handed cash for just being there. And I'm like, no, listen, like there's three very clear rules that people need to follow. It's that you can't, it can't be pay for play, pay for play as much as I would have loved to get paid for every time <laughs> I right. threw somebody out or got a hit, that would have been awesome. Uh, but I couldn't do it. And student athletes still can't do it. You have to do something to get something. Again, you can't just show up and get handed money. You actually have to have some sort of activity whether that's signing an autograph, doing a camp, making an appearance, posting a tweet, whatever it is, you have to do something in return to get that money or whatever kind of compensation you're getting, whether it's a free meal or something else. And then the last thing is it can't be recruiting inducement. So the same thing that we right. talked about earlier is that boosters can't be involved uh, before you've you know, signed with the school the same way that they couldn't before. So I think when you break it down for people that way and you help them understand like those three clear parameters, people are like, Oh, okay. Right. That makes a lot of sense. Like you actually know the things that student athletes have to do. They understand that they have to do something and that it's not, it's not the stuff that you see out there and people are thinking that it's like this free for all free agency right. uh, thing going on that, that the media provides. 
Um, and I think when you help people understand that it's really just creating equitable opportunities for student athletes to make a little bit of extra cash to make their lives better. Uh, I, I think people are like, okay, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that one of the other things too, that helps. And I think with, and just kind of in my, like, like my day-to-day job of, of covering Nebraska football recruiting, um, when I talk to recruits and their families about NIL and relation to Nebraska, the one thing they always say is that Nebraska's education around all of this is so much better than other schools. Um, the talk, you know, a lot during last year was, you know, they're far ahead of the game as far as, you know, how that goes. So I guess from your perspective, where do you see Nebraska positioned at this point um, as far as NIL goes? Yeah, they're doing a really amazing job. And I tell people that Nebraska has always gone the extra mile for their student athletes, whether that's their PEO opportunities and providing mm-hmm. money for student athletes to be able to go out and get an internship or grad school and have a little bit of cash to be able to do some of those things or a training table. Uh, I think it's the equivalent of that in the sense that Nebraska has always been forward thinking and trying to figure out what can we do to provide the best student athlete experience for them? And they understood like, okay, they have this really great life skills team. They're doing all of this life skills type stuff, but now NIL is in the mix. And I think that they just took that on with open arms and it's like, okay, what do we need to do to make sure our student athletes are doing it the right way? Nebraska is not afraid to recognize that they have a pretty amazing fan base that they knew wanted to engage with that. And I think, the thing that makes them different is that them recognizing that fan base, they knew that if they didn't want to end up in the media for breaking some sort of rule, that they needed to educate their student athletes and they're educating their donors and their local community on how to do things the right way. And that's allowed them to position themselves in a way that they're ahead of the game for sure. And student athletes feel that sense of support because they're able to ask the questions that they need to ask. They're able to engage in the way that they, you know, desire to engage in and they know that they're not breaking any rules. And I think it just makes it, you know, a lot easier for them. And when you make things easy for student athletes, you know, we're very like organized, tell us exactly what we need to do, how to do it, when to do it, what not to do. And when you do that for them, it just makes it like, okay, like I can do this. And I think that's so important. And something that I'm telling administrators all the time is listen, if your student athletes are going to do this and you want to make sure that they're doing it the right way, they have to be educated. Right. Like they're, you can't use the excuse of, ah, oh, my kids aren't getting any deals. I don't need to invest. And I'm like, maybe they're not getting any deals or pursuing deals because they don't feel like they have the knowledge to. And right. on the flip side, it's like, if they don't feel like they're supported in it, they're probably not going to do it either. So having that education in peace I, has been number one for me. Maybe I'm a little biased because of my role, but when I'm talking with these schools, I'm like, listen, NIL is just another one of those things. The same way that schools invest in student-athlete development and facilities and all of those other things, it's a part of the student-athlete experience that can't be ignored. And when student-athletes feel supported through that, through education, it just creates a sense of empowerment that makes them feel like they have a place there. Uh, and Nebraska has always done a great job with that. And NIL just happened to be one of those things that they took on. Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting now because even as we're talking about this, like if, if you just kind of think about it, because I kind of wrote it down. So Nebraska has now obviously NIL has, has come about here over the last year or so. But then, you know, the training table, PEO, life <laughs> skills, there's probably other things. Um, Oh, there was the other new thing. Um, I forget what the actual name was. It was basically where there's only a like 
like 15 schools or something like that pay like being able to give stipends um for good grades i forget what the actual <laughs> name um of that program is but nebraska was out in front saying hey we're gonna yep. do this um i just feel like they're able to and, and nebraska is i don't want to say they're alone in this because there are probably a handful of other schools like this but that's a really compelling package of things that are put together now not all of these things were in place when you were in school but at what point did you realize like this place has actually got a lot of stuff like going on that I need to take advantage of. Yeah. I mean, just in, in my early recruiting, like going on visits, like you start to pay attention to the things that people show you are. And these are the things that I encourage student athletes to pay attention to is like mm -hmm. this majority of your visit, you know, doing the fancy photo shoots and going on the field and taking pictures in the uniforms. Or is it the fact that you're meeting with all the different people in the athletic department that are going to be a touch point of support for you, like right. who you're, actual academic advisor is going to be do you have a life skills or student athlete development uh, mentor that you're going to be connected with to work on that personal and professional development side do you know who is who you can go to in compliance whenever you have questions that can help you with financial aid or housing or any of those other things that you have to deal with like do you know who your support people are are you meeting with them are you able to have conversations with them and that's something that nebraska does a great job of so they set that foundation early and you start to learn it, but you don't really understand it until you're in it or someone's like, hey, yeah, after practice, you can go to the training table and get a pretty good meal. That's a lot different than the dorms. Uh, <laughs> just understanding, you know, people who went to other schools, like recognizing the things that Nebraska student athletes have is pretty amazing. And they've only done a great job of, you know, working working to create create more opportunities like through the Austin case uh, that you mentioned from the NCAA that schools are now able to provide compensation based off you know academic requirements or whatever schools are choosing to do and you can tell that Nebraska was having these conversations before something was in place because they knew that it was it was coming up like right. they don't wait until something happens and then their reaction they they have a reactionary response it's very intentional and I think when you're in it as a student athlete, you recognize it because someone's like, oh, hey, remember, you can take advantage of this. And it's like, oh, yeah, that's great. <laughs> but then when you're done being a student athlete, like mm -hmm. to be to have my master's degree completely paid for through PEO and, you know, the College of Business at Nebraska and some different things. It's like if I didn't go to Nebraska, would I have even gotten my master's? Like there's no way I could have afforded it. But because of the steps that Nebraska takes and those resources that they put in place, they make it really easy to succeed in your life after sport. And I think that's the gap that when people go on visits, I'm like, how do you not uh, end up here? Because it's like, I get, you know, the, the big fancy things and, you know, winning X amount of games, but sometimes it's like, listen, you're only going to do this for so long. Some of these other things have to be at the top of your priority list when you're going on recruiting visits. Yeah. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Whoa, sweet man cave. Thanks. Serious upgrade. How'd you pay for all this? I got a home equity line of credit from Figure. I was approved in five minutes and had funding in five days. Wow, that fast and easy? Yep, the application is 100% online, plus no out-of-pocket costs, just fast access to the cash you need. How do I get started? Go to figure.com and get that serious upgrade.
Figure Lending LLC DBA Figure Equal Opportunity Lender NMLS 1717824 Terms and Conditions Apply Visit Figure.com for more information For licensing information go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org Absolutely Now every week uh, we end the show with my favorite segment of the week called Put Them On Blast uh, where we basically <laughs> put someone on blast for something that they did or said Now Bree I warned you you're going to go first on this one uh, so I'm very eager to see who you're going to pick So Bree who are you putting on blast? Put Them On Blast you know, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a, a shot at some of the people on Twitter, and there's two, and they're usually okay. the same people. And these people talk about two things. The first thing that they like to talk about is they like to tweet at student athletes who either made an error during a game or didn't get the game winning hit. It absolutely drives me crazy mm-hmm. when I get on Twitter when I'm watching like softball regionals are going on right now to get on twitter and to see people just bash student athletes to the point where they either have to delete their social media or you know they just turn their stuff off like that kind of stuff drives me crazy we're talking about things like mental health and student athlete well-being and these fans are like oh i'm your biggest fans they're the first ones to come up after a game and ask for an autograph or whatever but then they're also the first ones to have some weird burner account with some weird stock picture from online tweeting at student athletes being like oh my gosh i can't believe you dropped that ball like you're a disgrace to husker softball for example uh, and that that stuff kind of drives me crazy. And then those are those same people that are on social media talking about, uh, you don't deserve these NIL deals. NIL is the worst thing to ever happen to college athletics. Uh, it's those same same Twitter trolls that I absolutely cannot stand. And I hope that one day uh, Twitter and other social media platforms will have a way to weed those people out so right. student athletes don't have to worry about them. Uh, but being a former student athlete who works with current student athletes, that kind of stuff, dries me up a wall and it takes everything in me to not get on Twitter and start getting <laughs> after it with them. Uh, but I haven't. So okay, good bless, job. Everyone, bless everyone who does because, hey, you're fighting a good fight. Uh, but sometimes it's not worth it. Hopefully student athletes, you know, can continue to just ignore them and move on and recognize what's important. Uh, but those are definitely people I'm not afraid to call out at any time. <laughs> and they, that's a very well-deserved blast. I mean, it's, yeah. it's wild because I have, I've talked to multiple student athletes, especially football, that say, because that's who I cover, is, uh, yeah, I don't go on Twitter during the season. Like, we basically right. delete it. And I mean a lot of them. I'm trying to – yeah. is, it is actually – more rare to have someone say oh yeah i use it all throughout the season um than it would right. be for the other way which is kind of sad when you think about it like the all the rest of us for the most part get to go on and just kind of enjoy it um for in whatever way we want to enjoy it um but i couldn't imagine like if i logged on every time i logged on you just see scores of replies um from people <laughs> even like in even the good stuff like even right. that would be overwhelming um to have happen all the time so yeah that's that's a, a definite well-deserved put them on blast. Yeah, the, it's it's amazing. Like you see a student, we talk about injuries for student athletes, for example, and you see that mm-hmm. they're not playing in a game. And it's like everyone becomes a doctor on Twitter all of a sudden. It's like, yeah. oh, it wasn't that bad. I saw it. Like they're just fine. They're just they're weak or whatever. People yeah, I sprained my ankle student. one day. So it's, yeah, it's, <laughs> when I played, when I was a high school All-American, I sprained my, my ankle. They should be fine. They just need to get out there and play. Uh, these kids are too sensitive. So. It, it is amazing to see the stuff that people are not afraid to put out there on social media. 
Yeah, absolutely. Now, mine, my, my, my put them on blast is actually, a, it's almost similar to that um, because there were a lot of Twitter trolls that did this exact same thing because my blast is going to just go out to the people that put Andrew Wiggins um, out to pasture too early um, and <laughs> said that he was a bust. So the former number one overall pick, now with the Golden State Warriors, helped the Warriors go up 3-0 um, against the Dallas Mavericks. And he finished on Sunday um, with 27 points and 11 rebounds. Had a really nice game and including that huge dunk. Um, uh, over Luka Doncic, um, which was just amazing uh, to see, even though it was the challenge situation. Uh, but Draymond Green had this to say about that after that game. He said, quote, that's a guy who's been criticized for being lax lackadaisical, and the beat goes on. You've heard it all, yet on the biggest stage, he's come through. It's great to me, and it's absolutely amazing to see him pick up his level of play. And this, it got me thinking about something that, and this happens all the time in sports, where people are really, really quick to kind of push someone to the side and say, oh, they're a bust or, you know, it's taking them too long or why aren't they as good as we think they are? Their contract is this, so they should be performing this way or whatever it is. And it happens all the time. And we're probably all guilty of it at um, some level as sports fans. But at the same time, I try to remember that people are on different development tracks, right? Like you never know when it is that it's going to click for someone. And in the case of Andrew Wiggins in particular, I think this is a real great example of your situation sometimes really helps to determine what it is that you're going to be able to do, right? So he gets into the league. He's in a, in a tougher situation, a lot of expectations. He gets to Golden State where there's already an established culture. There's established players and superstars obviously already on that team. And now he's able to flourish. And he's going to end up being in a situation, I think it's after next season, he's an unrestricted free agent. Um, and he will have made, I think it's $170 million um, and will be in line to have another huge contract if he had another good season like this. So his story is actually one that has become really cool. Um, and so you got a, a, a quick blast going out to the people that, that threw dirt on him uh, and said that he was a bust. It is so crazy when you think about, you know, these guys, like when you watch the NFL draft, I like getting on Twitter and reading all the cool, like inspirational stories and learning mm -hmm. more about like the personal side of these athletes. But then the flip side of it is exactly what you're talking about. Like, ah, what, what in the world were they doing drafting him uh, seventh pick in the first round or whatever <laughs> it is. And it's like the minute they have one bad game or they have just too many turnovers, it's like, ah, forget him, let him right. go. Like cut his contract. <laughs> right. Cut him. <laughs> like, right. Just let him go. Like, forget it. Uh, and I think about that Steph Curry commercial, like if we're talking about the Warriors, I'm a California kid. Mm -hmm. So that Steph Curry commercial where he's listening, like, Oh, he's too small or he's not strong mm -hmm. enough or whatever it is. He's not that great of a shooter. And now he's one of the greatest shooters of all time, if not the greatest shooter right. of all time. And it's like, it doesn't matter how successful you are. There's always going to be people that are going to throw some shade on you. Uh, and Wiggins has done a really great job responding. And I'm I'm excited. As a California person, I'm pumped that the Warriors are up 3-0. Mm -hmm. And hopefully, you know, they can bring it home. God, I got I got mixed feelings on that because yeah. I, I am so I am you don't know this the people listening to this know this I'm originally from Chicago but I am not actually I'm like the only person from Chicago not a Michael Jordan and Chicago Bulls fan I'm actually a Lakers fan and so I have like I got real mixed feelings about this Golden State thing getting going, but I will say this. I would much rather cheer for you and these Golden State Warriors than be like, hey, let's have the Boston Celtics win again. Like, we don't need that. Um, so we'll, we'll go Team Warriors on this one after, you know, they, they seem to be cruising <laughs> against Luka, who I had adopted during this playoff run. Oh, man, he's doing great. I mean, he put up 40-plus points and still <laughs> lost, which is tough.
for yeah, him. Uh, but when you're when you're playing against the starting five and then some people off the bench like the Warriors have, it's it's tough to do it alone. So right. kudos to him for trying. Uh, he's, yeah, doing great, he's doing a great job. It's giving him a good effort. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Absolutely. All right. Now that's going to do it for this week's episode. Subscribe to the podcast everywhere you listen to him. Uh, rate us and leave us a five star review. If you only leave four, I'm inclined to think you're a hater and nobody wants that. Uh, make sure you're checking out the other podcasts on the Hale Varsity Network, the Mind Your Own Podcast, the Varsity Club, Nebraska Preps Post Game Show, and the Hale Varsity Radio Show. You can also check out the Hale Varsity YouTube page. I'm back on there again uh, with a recruiting question video of the week, and we'll have continued content uh, as Nebraska gets going on camp season here. You can also find us on Twitter at GregSmithHV and at B underscore Cassidy44. I will catch you all next week. A Huda Media Production.